Speaking of which, did any women make their way over to the box? No, they did not, to my knowledge. Do you think that that is a missed opportunity? Yes, I do. All right, Stace Galbraith, first and foremost, the question that is absolutely burning, where did you sit on the WSL charter flight from the East Coast to the West Coast? Were you up front? I was at the back of the front. The back of the front? So what is that, like uh, business economy or something like that? Nah, I was was in biz. Uh, And yeah, when you get offered that ticket, you don't turn it down, so... Fire away, tear me to shreds, Um, I'm ready. That's fucking amazing. You got to give respect to the WSL for really taking care of their own. So they pretty much just don't care about the surfers at all, huh? It's a funny one. We definitely um, got a few funny looks. Geordie Smith, Kanoa Igarashi, and I was quick to remind them that I'd walked past them many a time up the front, and the, uh, the tides have turned. Maybe just once, but for sure they're looking after us and um, we were all well and truly enjoying that opportunity. Did you get like a martini with an olive and everything too? You know, I was kind of rattled. I didn't get a champagne for takeoff, um, but we had plenty through the flight, so we made up for it. And uh, yeah, are there any other noteworthy little moments that happen on that flight? I bet it's, I don't know, having every one of the best surfers in the world in some... 500 cubic meter space is pretty interesting definitely and i think like all jokes aside the logistical team that have pulled this all together they all deserve a pat on the back um there wasn't really too much to report on um only john and philippe were up the front and the rest of it was commentary and wsl staff what john and philippe what are they doing they're balling dude um and it's a funny one like obviously the seats were there to be filled and the wsl obviously um has you know pulled that flight together uh the surfers were all offered the seats at a price which they um didn't see value in it's only a four and a half hour flight um uh, an economy ticket is about 450 dollars australian and i'm not too much I'm not sorry, I'm not too certain on how much a business class seat was, but they're not typically cheap, um, as you know. So I, I think with how much money everyone's already spent to get here, I think everyone was pretty happy just to get on the plane and, and get over there. Got it. I actually didn't realize that they were making surfers pay for this flight, but I guess it makes sense. I mean, one, they have to rent the plane, and two, the surfers would be paying anyway, you know, in a normal year. Like, they'd be paying for their flight, so... Um, fair enough, but that is absolutely amazing. You got to sit up front and watch as some of the wealthiest, most talented human beings in our sport just walked, just waddled with their tails between their legs <laughs> to seat fucking 34B. I was actually, I never really am early to check in um, online, but I was the night before I thought, oh, I'll better get organized. You know, like I don't want to be the one who fucking delays this thing taking off. And so I checked in online and it came up with my seat number and I'm, I'm sort of thinking, fuck, 7A, like, if that's not up the front, that's pretty close to being up the front. Maybe I'm the first row out of being up the front. Just thinking there's no chance that is a, a seat. I'm thinking even if it's a bigger plane, which it was, uh, it was an A330, which is like a step up from just your regular up and back kind of plane. And I'm thinking there's no way. And then I checked in and I said to the lady, this has to be a mistake. Like, cause I just checked in by myself, <laughs> not with any of the other crew. And, um, and she's like, no, nah. I was like, oh, I'm just going to shut up. I'm not, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be saying this is a mistake. I need to take this boarding pass and stuff it down my pants and hide. Run. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and is it true that you guys actually avoided flying into Perth and you flew into a smaller airport closer to Margaret River? Definitely, we did. We flew into Bustleton. It was the biggest ever commercial flight to land in Bustleton. And that airport's fairly new. It it was built, I believe... Oh, well, I'm not too sure that the airport itself is new. I think it was an old Air Force base, potentially. But there was only a small amount of commercial flights before the COVID lockdown sort of happened last year. They were doing Melbourne to Bustleton on, I think, Jetstar. And... 
so this flight to land in there was like a, a pretty big deal for the town. Like Bronte McCauley like flew over her high school and primary school and was like shedding a tear. It was cool. And then we're 45 minutes from Margaret River, which is a lot better than driving three and a half, four hours from Perth. And is it true that uh, upon landing, John John skipped off the tarmac and winked at Gabriel Medina on his way past? Or did I just completely make that up? No, you, you're spot on. That's exactly what happened. Well, they wouldn't have seen it. They, they wouldn't have seen each other because they were in different classes. So I don't even know if that, uh, it was possible for a wink to go down. But I'm sure they, sure they felt each other's energy. Um, and then what? The the basically you guys landed, and then the first day after that, the waves were pumping. Is that how it went? Yeah, straight into it. Woke up in the morning down there in the dark, and um, it was a little bit too low for the box on dark but you could tell it was going to get pretty good. So everyone kind of had to make a call, like the waves are firing. Do you go out there and sort of send it out to low tide box or do you just go out and start surfing margs? And I think a lot of crew just like, that's what obviously Malia and her partner Kona did and I was obviously filming her, so I was filming main break. And then at about 9 o'clock, 9.30, the box started turning on and um, or maybe a little earlier than that, but... Certainly got better as the day went on and like Jezza Forrest, Jacob Wilcox, all the good local guys are out there getting some sick ones and then obviously a few of the pros were, were having a go as well. Um, Crosby Colapinto's first wave out there was a bomb and he ate shit and it was sick to see. He was pumped. Like straight into that arena for him was, was epic. Yeah, Crosby goes. That kid is going to be... He's Yeah, he's gnarly. Um, can you actually, can you give us, you know, the people who weren't there, can you give us a little breakdown on kind of who decided to surf main break and who had a sniff at the box? I feel like, um, people that weren't there would be kind of interested to hear. I know I would. For sure. I think it's probably easier for me to say who was out the box because it was less of a crowd. It was like the Groms, like all frothed out Griffin, Seth, Crosby. Yeah. The local boys I mentioned, um, I saw Robbo get a clip out there, um, D'Souza, Connor Coffin, and then I guess you could say every, everyone else was out main break at, at, during the day. Not everyone surfed at the same time, obviously. There's a, there's a pack in the morning that love the early, and then there's the midday pack, and it's sort of, you know, it, the lineups were busy, but it wasn't too, too busy. Yep. I think I saw John at the box as well, um, at least so, like one wave. They have like shark mitigation from day one, which is, you know, that's Perry Hatchett and his team. That that Perry used to be the head judge on the tour. Now he runs Water Patrol Australia over here in the West. And as a part of the whole system, they keeping an eye on the surface from day zero, which is epic. And there's kind of a few ski shuttle runs back and forth. So John spent a good few hours out main break. And then he and his friend Kona went over on the ski to the box, got a couple out over there. It was at this point that I was pretty fried and bailed, went and got a bacon egg roll. Then they got the ski back over to main break and spent like another hour out there and got a few waves and then came in. Wow. You think that guy wants to freaking work off his East Coast leg? I think he really enjoys um, West Australia. And while oh, we're talking, while we're talking about him, that turn that he did um, was in the afternoon on the second surf. So even after a marathon morning, still he still had that in him. Wow. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm getting my days confused. But anyway, that turn was obviously ridiculous, and even like the obviously the in- Instagram video that he he posted was obviously shot quite low and quite tight but watching that from the like the headland which is the surfers are a long way away at main break you felt that turn like a mile away it was ridiculous how fast he was going i I almost feel the video doesn't do it any justice because the other thing to note was it was still really solid and he was like right on the inside and just found this little double up and it's just so incredible to see like Obviously, from a feeling perspective, that felt amazing to him because he Instagrammed it about seven minutes after he came in. And then <laughs> from, a, from, a, from a judging perspective, like he's capable of getting a nine on what's essentially a two-footer when there's eight-foot waves out the back. Like that wave was incredible. 
Yeah, wow. And then um, the other one that really kind of dropped my jaw is the Griffin turn. Did you see that one? That was a recent one. Oh, that was... Everyone wasn't too sure who that was because it all happened so quick. Um, again, the surface is so far away. Um, but the, the footage of that, obviously filmed a little bit tighter, is um, funny, you know, because Griffin had to kind of change his line for that guy that was like duck diving in the wave. And, but it almost made the turn what it was because he had to kind of keep it shallow off the bottom and then just try and poke it under the lip. And, I mean, he pretty much pulled it. 177, though. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Um, so it's clear that, uh, yeah, West is best for anybody who was wondering. Um, and back, sorry, just to jump back to the box really quick. From a, you know, a coaching and even from like a psychological perspective, how do you feel about the people that did and didn't surf the box that day? Do you think that there's an advantage or a disadvantage to doing it? Don't. Nah. It's whatever you feel. If you feel fine not surfing it, that's cool. Like, Michelle Perez surfed main break for hours that day. He's obviously capable out the box. Uh, you know, you could rattle off the surface. I'm sure there's some guys out there and girls that would need to spend more time over there. Um... But coming straight off the plane, obviously with not riding your step ups and, and that a lot, with how beautiful the day was, it's a win win. It, it really was. And then I think it's just whoever can surf guilt free and not and just be happy with the decision they made and not worry about where other people went or looking at other people's Instagram clips and like, oh, he got a mental barrel. And then someone who maybe went over the box but didn't get any might look at say john john's carpet main break and go oh we blew it we should have surfed there like it, it works both ways the comp is going to run at yeah. both venues so you can't really lose and the box i'm not speaking from my own experience because i don't have any experience out there but the, the wave itself if if you can be brave enough to sit in the chip on the chip in and, and the swell you're gonna say right, it's easier aren't you it's not easier but it, you look at like the best these are the best surfers in the world they will figure it out very quickly Jack Robinson can't be in every single heat. He's not in every single heat. Jacob Wilcox is not in every single heat. There's every chance you're going to get like yourself versus someone else who's never been out there as well. Yeah, but I don't think that's a good reason not to surf it. Like in my mind, like, yeah, Michelle's obviously capable of surfing out there. He's done it before and he'll do it again. But it would feel weird paddling out there for the first time in two years in a heat and you only have 30 minutes and you need to get two waves. And you're probably like, oh, man, like, I think I remember where that little boil is. And I think I remember what the, the wave that I want to go on looks like. But, like, would you really want to be figuring that out in your heat? I wouldn't. You're not, but, like, what's one surf going to do out there? It's all just for feel and, and fun and, and whatever makes you feel better. So that's what I'm saying. You could, you could go either or and it's a win-win. But I'd ask Crosby that question. For me, I bet that that surf out there for him gave him so much confidence. Even if he didn't make a wave, he's thinking, oh man, I fell on that crazy wave the first day, but next time it comes, I know I need to be two feet deeper, and I know that I need to set a line a little bit different like this. I think that there's a lot to be gained from it. Um, well, if you're going to play the percentages, the percentages are that he will surf most of his heats at main break, and if he's never surfed there before, you could say the same thing there. Main break is a much trickier takeoff peak than... The box, it's much bigger, it's much wider. On, on the different days, you can even go left. Guys were going left yesterday and getting big big scores if the, if the comp was on. So, I, like I said, it's a win-win. And I just think whoever surfed wherever they surf would just focus on yourself and don't worry about what happened at the other break and just don't look at Instagram. Yeah, I really liked what uh, Griffin wrote on his Instagram, um, if you don't mind me reading a caption really quick said, yesterday we were about to paddle out at main break with the big crowd to practice for the comp when we saw some sick ones at the box. I wasn't sure what to do because I wanted to get a feel for main break. Then Seth Moniz asked me, why do you surf, Griff? Then I remembered that these kind of waves are the reason I love surfing. We then sent it to the box and had the perfect start to the West Oz leg. Thank you, Seth Cros and Crosby, for setting me straight. Um, and I think that that's really beautiful because, you know, these guys are paid professionals, they're competitors, they want to win, they want to be world champions. But I would say that if not all of them, that most of them just at their core are just absolute surf nuts. And it, I mean, yeah, if, if it's between doing a couple, I mean, unless maybe you're doing turns like John John, but if it's between doing three carbs on a kind of slopey, 
you know, fairly good, biggish wave or standing in an eight foot tall, eight foot wide barrel. I think that uh, most of us would probably choose the latter, assuming we have the ability to do so. Um, so that really struck a chord with me. I think I have, we have the answer to the question, actually. What's that? And you just do what John John did. You surf for <laughs> yeah. five hours and you torch it out the bo- out main break, do a couple wraps, go across, get a lift across. You don't even have to crisp water. You can just get a ski across. He got some sick ones, which I was just casually observing and not filming. Then I thought, well, it's getting kind of shit out there. I'm going to bail. Then I heard that he went back to main break when the wind came up and still kept surfing. Like, that's that's your day. <laughs> just fucking do it all um the one person i was shocked that i didn't see at the box and maybe he did surf the box and it just wasn't captured and posted or whatever you know i'm freaking twenty hundred thousand miles away but um was mikey wright and to me mikey wright is probably like the biggest just two pound that exists like his mindset is like just pure i want to take off as steep and deep as possible and get tubed and to me that really speaks volumes to where his mindset is after a really poor east coast leg and i think this means basically he's thinking like fuck like you know i need to put aside my momentary desires for my longer term goals which is to make heats and prove that i you know deserve to be on this tour um that was just from afar though i don't know what you saw on your side yeah i saw him changing boards in and out spending a lot of time out main break and i think that speaks to what i was saying earlier about almost playing the percentages you're gonna have more of your heats out at main break so for mikey who we obviously know doesn't need like he grew up on the south coast he has an amazing ability on the read of the ocean and he has the capability as well he doesn't need to prove anything out a quick morning session out the box. He needed to put in time at main break, which he did, figuring out his boards and, and you know, figuring out how to kind of win those close heats that you can have out at main break, which you're right, he's, he needs it. He needs to make a few heats here for sure, just not only for his, his, his rating but just his confidence. I'm sure he's, he's really looking good. Um, sorry, looking forward to having a, a performance that he knows he can bring because he hasn't, hasn't hit his stride yet so far this year. Yeah. And speaking of boards, what are most people riding, like, say, just in relation to their standard short board? Is it a couple inches bigger out at main break? Honestly, everyone's riding such short boards. It's mind blowing. And they're ripping, too. Like, I don't think it's a, it's I'm not saying that in a negative way. Like, um, Mikey Wright was riding a 6.0 and it was fucking it was solid. It was six feet plus out there. It was big on that first day. And um. Yeah, I think I saw Freestone run down with like a six three maybe, and he would usually ride like a six one and a half kind of thing. Like he's not that's not too much bigger than his normal board. So, I think everyone's riding like an inch or two up. Um, Malia rides a five six usually. She's riding a five nine, um, which is a pretty big jump comparatively. Um, but yeah, the, the 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 length of the boards these guys are riding is crazy how short they are and i had this chat yesterday with kale and jimmy and harry on the lip podcast and they're all like freaking out that no one's packing bigger boards which i understand where they're coming from because the day one forecast is it's sort of dropped just a tiny bit from the original forecast but it's still looking huge and windy so they look there might be some people sniffing around for bigger equipment but at the end of the day like the waves that these men and women want to ride are not the biggest burgeriest set waves that are probably going to be a big left. They're looking for the, 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 the smaller, better shaped rights in which, like, you know, their six fours and their six sixes, they'll, they'll handle it. Yeah. Okay. So I have a few more questions. Um, yeah. First of all, just regarding the right and left situation at main break, obviously, you know, I'd say in the past decade that, they started having this contest again. Um, the majority, maybe even the vast majority of scoring rides have come on the right. This obviously contradicts kind of the historical sense of the wave where, you know, it's been, a, it's been kind of the cornerstone of competitive surfing in Western Australia for decades. Um, and back in the day, it was pretty much all left that these guys went. And, you know, granted, a lot of that has to do with the boards they were riding, the fact that at a certain stage, they weren't wearing leashes, and you obviously don't want to go over the dry reef. Um, 
But yeah, what's your take? Is is there some scoring potential to be had on that left, and should more surfers consider looking that direction? Another point to make is jet ski assist has proved massive in people being okay with going right. You don't have to surf your right, run the gauntlet to paddle back out. You can kind of quote unquote beach the thing right up onto the sled, get lifted back out the channel, and you're back on the peak again. So I think that jet ski assist is prove a huge role in making the wave more right friendly but yesterday well two days ago sorry with that first day we were here there was the south the swell sorry was was more like had more west in it than south and it the the lefts were looking really good like michelle bray's got like a funky barrel he was doing a couple sick backside rios you know combinations john had a couple ryan and conor o'leary were going um left a lot gabriel was going left a lot and they were definitely putting scores on the board. The right was a little more disjointed. And I think on that opening day, you would have seen, if it was contest day, you would have seen scores going left for sure. Yeah, right. Um, and sorry, back to that point you had about the jet ski. Um, I know that typically you're kind of on filming duty or now commentating duty, but I assume you've also surfed out at main break. Have you ever had to go over the bricks on the right? Nah, I, uh, I'm not trying to win $100,000, so I generally kick out on that section. <laughs> Can you give me an idea of what it's like, at least as somebody who, if they haven't done it themselves, have at least been close to it or like have talked to surfers who have done it a lot? It's just wild because not only do you have the wave and the speed of the wave and your bigger board and everything kind of to manage, you've got like the wind and all this other shit and you're aiming up at this end section, which I've, you know, been there and kicked out on it and just never hit it, but, you know... On the on the right, or I guess you could say wrong time in the day, it drains out so you can actually see the rock face like looking at you. So you'll finish the turn and you'll see some, some surfers riding towards it and there's actually like a drop off where the rock is like facing them and they have to turn away from it. And it's not just like, you see a lot of people get washed up onto it and they end up fine, they're a bit of bark off, they might stub their toe. But there's some occasions where the rock is actually sticking out like an apex and if you hit it, you would get f- destroyed. Like John hit it one year when he went crazy. And that was the only thing that could have stopped him that event was that rock. And it nearly did. <laughs> Very well. Um, and then, yeah, so let's talk about this swell. So I did a story on the site a couple of days ago about how essentially the WSL has not secured a permit for North Point this year which is a major letdown, but it's also totally understandable in the sense that they need to keep their bubble really small. And, you know, it's easy to do that between main break and uh, the box, which I learned today are roughly 711.85 meters apart from one another. Um, Whereas North Point is a good, you know, 20 minutes up the road. Um, So totally understandable but with this swell in the forecast it is a little bit like oh man are we going to have another year like 2015 where they're surfing giant main break that's windy and shitty and meanwhile jordy smith is doing a 12 foot alley-oop at north point um what's the kind of feel on the ground over there the surfer is feeling a little like anxious and frustrated or um i haven't really asked any of them to be honest (sighs) Because the forecast has kind of been moving around a little bit as to when that swell is going to arrive. So at the moment, it's looking like kicking in around midday. And if it's later than that, then the North Point's going to be firing all night. So no one's really bothered by it, it would seem. Um, Of course, they want to surf that wave. It's one of the seven wonders of the fucking world. The, the, The mechanics of it are ridiculous. And when you see the best tube riders in the world out there you really get a feel for how special that place is like watching jack robinson out there a few years ago was fucking mind melting and of course they all want to surf it but i think too everyone understands the logistics of the situation and and has kind of a lot of just happy to be here kind of attitude there's nothing wrong with rip and main break as well it's it the, in the last few years the performance surfing we've seen out there and, and what's capable is fun obviously it's not it doesn't hold a candle to north point i'm not saying it does but you saw there the, the two or three days that we've had there over the last couple of years it's you know 
hard to run a 30-minute three-person heat out that wave, it's much better suited to a Stab Surf 100. <laughs> nice plug. Um, well, it's true. It, 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 it's not even a plug. It's true. Like, 100 minutes out there is fucking perfect. And a lot of people asking, oh, like, how did, you know, how did Stab get a permit for that and the WSL didn't? It's fucking chalk and cheese. These guys are running, like, a massive operation with... Like the logistics of even just getting us here to begin with are crazy. So if we have to, you know, take the good with the bad, I think people are kind of okay with that. Obviously, deep down they're not, but they understand. Can you can you speak to that actually? Did you kind of want to fill in like from your perspective, getting Stab Surf One Hundred up and running, and, and what you know about it, and and kind of the challenges you might have faced compared to what it would be to like get a world tour permit here? <laughs> I could, but I'm a afraid of doing that and then getting stab in trouble because of course we didn't have a permit we just showed up to the beach with surfers and filmers like it wasn't a sanctioned well, event well, there's the answer right there like it's fine to say that and and what what the wsl are running is obviously a much larger fucking event oh yeah it's like you said it's not comparable in any which way um from the logistics to the like format you know like it's obviously like you said it's way more suited to like a hundred minutes with a few guys rather than a full day trying to go through all the tides anything else that can happen and having short three-man heat so yeah uh definitely understood on that sense um but is it uh the kind of thing like so i, I obviously i don't know much about how swells work over there but is this sort of swell going to be one that's like a little bit too big for the box maybe or is it looking like it's just going to be in that like kind of like really scary but totally doable zone um i'm not super guru-y over here but i would say it looks far too big for the box and far too windy um that would be my take on it i think wind is really important for the box it needs to be like a dead offshore which is east and the wind is kind of southeast which gets a little bit of protection the main break gets a little bit of protection from the south side corner which is like a bit of a burglary right that kind of holds the wind off slightly but not really and so, yeah, I think it, it, it's going to be like big main break and how big, we'll just have to wake up and see. I think the box is probably better suited to that like two and a half, three metre swell range. And this, at the moment, this swell forecast is looking like four and a half to five metres. Yeah, right. Okay. And then uh, just looking a little further down the line, it looks like there's going to be plenty of swell in the period, but one of the storms might get a little too close for comfort. And it looks like it's going to get pretty windy and junky and onshore. Um, so I guess, yeah, that's just worth taking into consideration when you're thinking about who you might put on a fantasy team or throw some dollars behind, um, which uh, I think Every single person that knows absolutely anything about competitive surfing in Western Australia probably has the same idea of who should win this event on the men's side. Um, he is technically a two-time defending champion of this event because in 2018 uh, they ran half of the event at Uluwatu's after the shark incident. And in 2017, he had the most, what I would say, in at the very least in the modern era, but I want to extend it further just because uh, I'm too young and too dumb to know what else happened before that, and I just want to. The most dominant surfing, competitive surfing performance in the history of our sport, uh, and that would be John Florence, main break, 18.07 heat average, and just actually changing the way that uh, we saw turning on the face of a wave. So what are your thoughts? Is it, Can anybody touch John? It's really going to be tough, given that his closest rivals on the leaderboard... I actually don't even know what the leaderboard looks like. But Italo and Gabriel being goofy footers, John's looking undeniable, is all I'll say about that. But I don't even think it would matter if they freaking rode parallel stance or backward. Like it, the way that John surfs is so tailored to these types of waves, whereas... Italo and Gabby, we saw what they did in East Coast Beach Breaks, and I would say that their surfing is absolutely tailored to waves like that. And also, you know, they're great in tubes, and they've proven that they're great, you know, J-Bay and stuff like that as well. But these raw, open ocean sort of waves that John, I mean, it's cliche, but they were literally in his backyard, or at least they are now, and especially in his backyard. 
I mean, nobody, nobody, nobody in the world from even big power guys like Jordy Smith or whoever, like, it's just a different league. Like, it's not the same thing that they're doing. Like, John is doing something. Everybody else is surfing these waves. John is doing something entirely different. I think that obviously the turns he is doing are remarkable and they are they're sport defining whatever you want to call it but the thing that really separates him from the rest is his transition speed in between turns and the only other person i've seen sort of so far looks really good in between their turns is michelle Perez because the right is a fucking hard way to surf it's so disjointed and john makes it look normal and it's not a normal three to the beach wave you can get two or three majors on this wave if you surf it like John John. And I think what he's doing, it's it's really impressive, is that he's holding his speed through the whole ride. Whether he's just turning or, or looking to go up and down or, or getting barreled or whatever it is he's doing, he's the moment he stands up to the moment he finishes the ride, there's no break in the action. And out there, I just think that is so um, you know underrated. Well, there's kind of a, um, there's like an inflection point in surfing when it comes to size where a smaller person can go much faster on a smaller wave, but a bigger person, and this is a theory, I haven't actually like proven this by science, but it's my theory that bigger people can go faster on bigger waves because they're not as held up by things like wind or chop. So Felipe, I think, is probably considered the fastest. Maybe him and Itala are considered the fastest surfers in the world in smaller waves. But when you put them in bigger waves, Felipe isn't able to dig his rail into the water as deep as John and kind of use that source of wave as the energy rather than creating his own energy off of his fins and you know his technique. But John, because of his size and because of how much he's able to engage his rail in the water, I think that's probably where that speed is coming from. Is that what you see as well, or do you have a different theory? I definitely see that, but I disagree with your example. I've seen Philippe Toledo put phenomenal performances on the board at Haleiwa in like six to eight feet firing waves. I think it has to do with like the transition speed Halle Eva you, you don't have to worry about transition speed because the wave's always coming back at you and I just think what John John does here and that's why I made the natural foot goofy foot reference is that the length and the angle of John's turns are so suited to having no downtime here it's going to be hard for anyone else to kind of get into that eight five nine range because everyone else just looks a little more separated in their turns whereas he's just putting it all together and um I think Philippe for me is yeah, obviously he's smaller, but he's still so capable of putting his board on rail um, that, you know, I I think that it's more sort of like your comparison could be made to some surfers that are maybe not um, committed as much. Because I think Philippe Toledo is one of the most committed rail surfers there is in, in most sizes. I agree with that as well. I just think that there's still like you can see a little bit more he's just affected a little bit more by like wind like small wind chops and things like that just because he no, weighs no what, 150 and john yeah. weighs i don't know 185 or so and he's yeah. much taller and and sturdier like i think there's just something to weight that actually helps you um mm. with you know speed ultimately in like bigger surf yeah the landscape um, here is wild there's everything to consider the sun in your eyes the wind in your face the power of the yeah. wave like it's everything there's so many so many variables yeah. Okay, so back to Gab and Italo real quick. I did a little bit of research. Um, Italo actually has been pretty good at Margaret's. Um, he's had three what I'll call full attempts at this event because in 2018 it got called off and obviously 2020 was a wash. So in his three full attempts at this event, he has a semi, a quarter, and some throwaway, like a 13th or a 9th or something like that. But a semi and a quarter is pretty solid for, you know, somebody who's like i said who's surfing may not be especially well tailored to this wave um and then gabby on the other hand has had five full attempts at this event and he has had one quarter final and a couple last place and just some some really 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 poor results i would say this is probably his worst event on tour um just straight up in his career as far as like how far he's made it and the amount of like last places he's had. So obviously he's coming off of an incredible run. He's had four finals in a row. If you count back to 2019, 
how do you see him responding to you know this sort of uh i don't want to call it pressure because he's so far out in front of everyone else but just kind of overcoming this hurdle i guess you could say in his career no, I for sure reckon that he wants to overcome it. Like, I know he's out in front, but he would be aware of his results here more than anyone. And I think that him being in front here um, is going to be, like, his motivation. The target's on his back. So I, I know he'll be looking to shut us all up, basically. That's where he gets his motivation from, right? He, he sort of said that in Narrabeen. He's always had the target on his back. And I think And do that, you think he will, though, I guess? Like, I mean, you've yeah, seen I think Yeah, I think he will. Yeah, he just looks so relaxed and happy. It's undeniable. He looks like he's in a really good place, and I'm expecting good surfing to come from that. Quarter bust, pretty much? Like, you think he's going to make it there at the very least? Yep. All right. You heard he's it just gotta get. He's just got to get through Jacob Wilcox at the box. That's the that's his big hurdle. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't even have him in sure where Jacob will fit in, obviously, with the seating rounds and it stuff. Sounds like the WSL is scripting this, and you seem to know a little bit too much. <laughs> um, no, that's the matchup I want. Um, I think Jacob's the most underrated tube rider in the world, and we saw that in Surf 100, how good he is. And I think you know an opportunity like this for him, if that happened... Um, would be you know a, a massive opportunity for him to kind of show everyone that the, the talent that he is. Well, if I know Gabby, he is doing everything in his power to create you know psychological and physiological advantages over his competitors. So if I'm Gabby, I'm going out and hiring Sid Engler to do exactly what he did in Surf 100. <laughs> And just get on the cook and just burn burn all the lower seeds because he's not sure who he's going to get yet. But just like you, just got to burn Cyrus, Jacob, uh, who else is down that bottom end, you know, just get them all. <laughs> yeah, and if, if anybody does know what we're talking about, uh, Sid Engler is an incredible little surfer and charger from Western Australia who, while we were filming our Surf 100 event, famously dropped in on Jacob Wilcox and Jacob still got a really good barrel behind him and came out and Sid looked back like oh you're here too sick <laughs> and uh and then he went in and had a chat with Jake Patterson which was just pretty historic he's like a he's like three feet tall and he's calling these waves that just look like mountains like four footers or something and Jake's like what like we're not in Hawaii kid <laughs> like six to eight footers um so yeah sid keep an eye out there might be a paycheck in this event for you if you're clever totally while we're on the trialist um young willow hardy won the women's trials and she's only 14 wow i've never even heard of her can you give me a little bio yeah look to be honest i haven't seen too much of her either um although she comes from a royal west australian surfing uh ocean enthusiast family um her father gene was um a cover boy on many a Tracks and Waves magazine back in the day. And um, her uncle is uh, Ryan Hardy, uh, who's a uh, world-class bodyboarder from this region. So, um, yeah, she's certainly got it in her blood. Is this like a Bronte 2.0 sort of situation? 100% it's a Bronte 2.0. And she's even a little stylish, goofy footer like Bronte as well. So, yeah. That's exciting. All right, well, good on you. Excited to see her surf. Um, before we leave the men, I do want to discuss a couple other people. Um, so obviously, the you know the prodigy of Western Australia is Jack Robinson, who did not have a spectacular run on the east coast of Australia, nor at Pipeline. So he is probably thinking, all right, well, I really need to get something going as well, um, especially with his fellow rookie Morgan Sibillic just rocketing up the ratings um he's yeah he's got some work ahead of him if he wants to win that rookie of the year uh so my big takeaway on Jack over the past few years is to me it seems like his um kind of performance surfing has improved by 200 percent he's always been one of the best barrel riders in the world we saw that when he competed at North Point and when he competed at the box but um, he's really gone from kind of like a kid to a man, in my perspective, in the last couple of years. And I think that that might really help him out in this event. Um, what do you think? Definitely. Um, he's 
always look really good out main break as well. He's got a pretty unique approach. He gets like really vertical in the lip. A lot of people are going out and around and Robbo, like I've watched him a few years in the trials here and he, he gets up and down a lot, a lot more than most natural footers. So I think that's going to be a good point of difference for him. Um, and like you said, his performance surfing has improved out of sight and that, that's only going to work to his benefit here and he's in his own backyard. So game on for Robbo. It's going to be interesting to see how people like him and John manage the obvious expectation that surrounds them. They must know. They know how fucking good they are. Yeah, I think it would take something really strange to happen for John to lose, period, which, again, probably sounds like a lot of pressure, but there's nobody in the world who is so far ahead of everybody else in the field at any given location than John is here. I mean, even on the East Coast, you know, like Gabby and Italo were that person, but there's two of them. And here, to me, there's just no comparison whatsoever. Um, but that being said, Jack is spectacular, if, especially if they're at the box. He is probably the best out there. Um, and, I, okay, so I guess let's just pick right now. If you had to pick somebody other than John to win this event, who's it going to be? Michelle Burris. I was going to say that too. So now I can't. God damn it. Okay. No, you, you can. Um, no, we got we to spread it out. Okay, I'm going to go Jack then. I think that it would be incredibly fitting. I do fear that there might be some level of like John at the Pipe Masters situation going on here with Jack, that it might take him longer than expected to win at this venue just because it is his home. And for whatever reason, there's kind of like a mental block for a lot of surfers in doing that. Um but I'm going to put my money on him because I just I saw some clips of him at the box that were just ridiculous. Like everybody else was surfing it well, but he just was taking off in places that nobody else saw. Yeah, but you you got to get it out of your head though, dude. The whole comp is never going to run at the box. <laughs> Fuck. I want it to so bad. Um, I still think that on the face though, he's so good. Oh, for sure. He's, he's incredible. But like we've just got to get it out of our heads. It's not – this is not – the box Margaret River Pro. <laughs> Unless your tour comes off with like four guys on the whole tour and two women and it's just like a one heat event everywhere we go around the world, then that's when it could happen. Um, and I think your pick is valid. Don't get me wrong. I think it's an amazing pick, but I just think that, you know, there's a lot of guys out here that I'm sure they wish the whole comp was going to be at the box. And I just want to make sure that you know, we have the expectations in, in the right level. <laughs> well, thank you, Debbie Downer. Um, speaking of which, <laughs> did any women make their way over to the box? No, they did not, to my knowledge. Do you think that that is a missed opportunity, I guess is a, a nice way of phrasing it? Yes, I do. In my mind, it's like, you know, they... They want to surf in the pipe event. They're going to surf in the Tahiti event. They have to see this as a kind of logical progression. They'll, they'll be out there this comp is my, is my call. They'll be at the box this comp. Okay, that will be fascinating. Um, yeah, wow. It'll be really... Because I would imagine that maybe Bronte has surfed out there. Maybe anybody else? I don't know. You tell me. I haven't seen anyone out there. Could be wrong. No, I don't follow everyone on Instagram, but I don't think so. Um, Bevo, maybe Claire Bevelacqua. Obviously, she, obviously she's not on tour, but she was back in the day. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not not uh, not too sure. Yeah, I mean, it's part of the, you know the ongoing conversation that we've been having about this topic, and it's that um, ultimately. We all know that women can surf these waves. And it's this weird balance between should it be the WSL forcing them to do it or should it be the women taking their own initiative to go and do it and show the WSL that they want to do it and that they're capable of doing it and therefore the WSL, I don't know if rewards is the right word, but like, you know, gives them the platform to do it in front of a large crowd for a lot of money. Um, And I'm... You know, for me, I would love to see the women just go out and decide, like, hey, like, this is something we want to do. You know, like, we want to go out here and prove that we can do it as well. It goes back to the, it goes back to the Griffin frame of mind. 
um, which Vahine Ferrero, Kira Pinkington, a lot of other girls around the world seem to have. They're they're out there getting barreled and they're no nowhere near qualifying. Uh, Kira might be, but you know, Vahine hasn't really cracked the QS yet, and she's out there getting barreled, really barreled. Um, so, you know, there's definitely women out there doing it from the perspective of putting their best foot forward. They're not waiting for the organisation to tell them you should go and get barreled. And I think there's there's women on tour who, you know, made that decision yesterday to surf main break. Um, and it was similar to what we were talking about before. They're, they're, they're weighing up those same kind of things. And, you know, when Tyler Wright, Carissa Moore and, you know, Malia decide to paddle out main break... Um, do I think that's a reflection on their ability to surf that wave? Absolutely not. But are there other, you know, women on tour who haven't been in that environment before that need to be? I think so. And and there's definitely, uh, you know, for instance, a lot of the Hawaiians, you know, you see Coco Ho getting waves at backdoor. Um, you know, the surfers I just mentioned then, they grew up in those situations so I feel like there is some level of experience there that they are going to be able to tap into if they are put in that situation. But I know for sure there's a couple that haven't and there's no better time or place to practice it than here. And I genuinely think the men would be very encouraging if they saw um, any of the women out there. Uh, I think they would, you know, they, they would be super respectful and, and lend a lend a line up lend a hand and, and and try and get him a fun one for sure oh yeah absolutely i mean you know i i won't say that every lineup in the world is super friendly to women but in such like a everybody knows everybody sort of lineup like the box and you know these men and women are traveling together and i'm sure are good friends a lot of them and also, the men understand the implications of something like women going out and surfing the box and what it can mean for the sport of surfing as a whole. And I think that they would be the kind of the biggest champions of the women going out there and, and giving it their shot. So I agree. And I hope we get to see that um, sooner rather than later. But um, I also understand women's decision to go surf at main break, where, like you said, the majority of this contest will be run. And maybe it's just a, you know, a financial decision in that sense. And also, it's just, you can get hurt at the box. And that's another financial decision at the end of the day. These people need their bodies to function at 100% to make the most of their short earning window in their career. So, Oh, it's, a, it's so real. We're standing on the stairway going, like, even Malia and I and her partner Kona, who's a fucking incredible surfer, who could have sort of been that for Malia out there, you know, like, he's not from here, but he could have given her some comfort in that lineup and we're kind of like going fuck what do we do what do we do like oh you know you just kind of play the numbers game and that's the decision they made and 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 you know you got to like you 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 make your decision work for you you don't worry about what could have been just had to give a brief update to this story uh since stace and i recorded this episode malia the next day actually decided to go out and surf the box the day before the event started so yeah, she was the only woman out there and she surfed it for multiple hours, pulled into a few nice tubes, came out of a couple, and yeah, just wanted to give her big props for that and to Stace for giving her a little extra nudge. So uh, you've obviously been watching the women as well. Who is looking good? I think I can probably take an easy guess at who's looking good, but um, yeah, you've been on the, on the cliff, so tell me what's up. Like I said earlier, the right's been pretty disjointed. It hasn't been that, like, classic Margie's right. Um, so, to be honest, no one's really hit their strap just yet. Um, I saw Carissa break one of her boards the other day and kind of pounded. And um, Tyler's Caroline had a couple. Caroline, broke a board. Oh, my God. Caroline broke her board in the worst possible way you could ever imagine just the back fin was attached to her leash plug and that's it. So pretty much just not even a hand plane was left and the top seven eighths of her board obviously got washed in and she had to swim in. But what's funny is the two side fins are just missing. They didn't show up. They didn't. So her board broke in three pieces. <laughs> Riding a wave or just getting smoked by a set? 
I think taken a fall at the takeoff and she was sweet and then just being right in the impact zone for the next few waves. Yep, that'll do it. Well, welcome to the West. Whew, that was a gnarly warm-up, that one. Have you gotten in the water yet this trip? No, I haven't. I, um, I checked a wave this morning that actually looked really fun, and, but then I got talked out of it because... <laughs> which is the right thing to do. Every wave you look at here looks three foot until you actually get on the sand and it was probably eight feet close out death shorey. And I was like, yeah, okay. Which I'm not, I'm not a big wave Dave. So that was a good, good thing for me to not do that. Um, I was with someone who was a big, da- big wave Dave and they, they were trying to tell me like, no, that's way bigger than it looks. And I was like, okay, all right, I'll take your word for it. So no, I haven't been in the, haven't been in the water yet. I thought you might've said something about uh, sharks deterring you from surfing. Have you heard anything about that has there been any, any nah, blood, blood in the water definitely no blood in the water um and what's kind of crazy though is there's so many dolphins on the peak at main break and yesterday was a bit stormy and kind of rainy and it's still a big black figure in the water you know that's i don't know not cool especially when they're inside you from where you are yeah it's just a shit it's a shit look yeah it doesn't look good but yeah the dolphins are keeping everyone safe yeah, it's funny too how like illogical it is because if you're going to get hit by a great white, you're not going to see that thing coming. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not going to be doing little jumps and laps like around you with his fin up in the air looking all playful at first. <laughs> He's just coming from 60 meters away at freaking 50 kilometers an hour and just torpedoing you. Unless you're Mick Fanning and you're just immune to the laws of uh, nature and physics and, and all those things, but very comforting Mikey very comforting hope no one <laughs> in the comp listens to this <laughs> don't worry I'm uh, currently in a place where there are such a thing as saltwater crocodiles so that's something that I get to think about on a daily basis hey this is not a comparison about who can get chomped quicker <laughs> um, alright well then is there anything else on the women's side that is worth talking about any, any storylines you picked up on the cliff um, not so much, but more just the fact that I think this year they will have to consider like what we did the other morning. Uh, I, I personally feel there will be heats run this year at the box. Um, I'm happy to be wrong, but just the way the sport's going, they threw them out North Point the other year. Um, and it, it, it's going to be there. So I think that, um, you know, something that we're definitely keeping an eye on it, uh, Malia and I, and then I just hope the rest of them are too. I know they are, but it's, I think it's real. I think this year, it's there's going to be a moment for sure. Is this a conversation you had on the day? Like, was there a moment where you were like, you know, Malia, do you want to go maybe have a sniff over there and try to get a wave? For sure. The night before we were talking about it, the forecast was pretty obviously going to be good. And um, and all the boards were packed. Or like, you know, five nines and five elevens for main break and, and sort of, you know, five sevens and thicker five eights for the box, if that's what was going to be the case. So, like, we were prepared. It was just a call you had to make. And, and Malia loves getting up early in the dark and surfing. And like I said, on right on dark, it was too low. It wasn't very good at all. But you could tell it was going to get good. So it was like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to have another coffee and wait for it to get good and potentially have the wind come up and then miss it? Or do you want to be one of the first people out main break and, and get your eye in out there and start, you know, the ball rolling? So that's what we, that's what we went with. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, another one I guess worth talking about is Steph, who, for her own standards, has had a pretty lackluster year. I think she's had three quarters, um, just probably looks like a freaking 25th to her. Um, she is not, I don't think, especially strong out at Margaret's, but yeah, where do you see her sitting in this kind of field? I think she's just so talented at managing the ocean she will find a way um yeah again the disjointedness of this wave i've said it a thousand times but it doesn't particularly suit her surfing necessarily but she's a champion like they they find a way to win um i think she got second here to lakey the other year she's capable of making the finals and, and winning these events so she's just that good you never count her out even though she's had a few fifths which for her are definitely like a 25th um she's you know you don't win seven world titles for nothing yeah um, so I'm going to make a pick that is based on absolutely nothing other than a feeling. I'm going to go ahead and put Courtney Conlog out there as my pick for this event. Um, 
Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, my thoughts on that are that you're a smartass and you probably beat me to it. She's incredible out here. Um, she's one of the surfers on tour that can match um, the power of the wave with the power of her own surfing. Um, and I think she got big barrels and stuff out here before too, if I remember correctly. I remember her boards looking really good, which is you know nice to see like tim stamps obviously coming from huntington beach like being able to dial up equipment for margaret river which couldn't be further away from his normal um so i think like her relationship there with everything boards the wave her her surfing everything everything looks really good out there for her so she won bells the other year when it was 100 foot so she's more than capable of surfing big margaret river and she pulls in she's charges and loves getting pitted so she's good gonna be good at both spots yeah, and I saw her. She had a left at uh, the Narrabeen event. That just, I mean, obviously Narrabeen is nothing like this wave, but it was for that day a bit of a bigger wave, and she just really, like, her turns look so strong and so solid, and I feel like that is what you really need out here. You just need someone that's going to lock in and just hack at that face and, and stay on their feet, especially, like, on that right, trying to ride out through the white water on that last turn. Like, that's a sport in and of itself. That should be, like in the olympics or something oh totally yeah you need to have a lot of courage and and then a lot of skill to pull that off and um she's got both of them and i think you know if, if i'm just to be critical of, of of her it's that flow is something she could probably add a little more sometimes to her surfing but here you don't you don't necessarily need that like you said you need to put your big turns on the big sections and this wave has a big section at the start and a big section at the end and she's so capable of like putting all her power into those two turns you don't necessarily need to link five or so turns together to get a nine you, you can just really go hard at it like that so i think it suits her um suits her brilliantly all right so who's your pick um so i'm not allowed to pick number one i won't be biased and pick the athlete that I coach so I will go with Tyler okay yeah that's another smart pick although it's it's strange like (laughs) human I mean this is like a this goes way deeper than surfing it's like human psychology but like you know Tyler obviously won pipeline and then if you go back to the season before that which was obviously a very long time ago she had a huge run at Honolulu on her uh, her first event back in a really long time and she just had so much energy I think she she won that event in Australia like the one of the precursor events as well and she just seemed to have so much like energy behind her and then in these last two events she just uh, nothing really happened and I kind of almost forgot about her which sounds really weird but like yeah i wasn't even really thinking about tyler but that is a fantastic pick and i'm sure that she's going to make me eat my words now and go and win the thing no i think it is fair to kind of think that she definitely fell off the pace a little bit um in newcastle she rolled the dice with a bit of strategy and actually nearly worked for her i can understand why her and micro kind of did what they did uh, it was actually verse Courtney. So in those situations, you do need to sometimes pull out a wild card and, and do something a little different to beat those kind of top-level surfers. They obviously know how good Courtney is. Um, so Tyler, if you remember, she started on the inside at Merriweather and then went out the back. And she kind of paddled for probably what was going to be a seven or an eight and like just missed it, was just out of position. So I thought, you know, her strategy there nearly came off. Um and then in, in Narrabeen, I think, you know, she's the first to, to kind of speak about that. She was obviously looking for the rights. The lefts were better. Um, the the le- small left high-performance surfing is, is something that she admittedly is something she wants to work on. So, But that's all behind her now. She's in a big open face right. So she's kind of back to her, you know, back to her favorite. And another woman who I realized, um, you know, I've kind of neglected as well is the defending champion, Lakey Peterson, who I believe is still out after Narrabeen, right? She pulled out of that event, and I think she might still be injured because I'm not seeing her on the draw. Yeah, she's not surfing in this event. No, she's uh, unfortunately withdrawn from this one as well. And I think that the injury is a pretty long-term one. Um, but there's every chance she's still here in the West, um, potentially working with the WSL doctors and medical staff and, and kind of just, um, yeah, enjoying, enjoying the, this side of the country. But then there's also every chance she might've stayed in Victoria, um, just to, just to rehab that injury. But, um, I'll try and get an update for you. Is it a back injury? 
Yeah, it's a back injury from what I'm led to believe. Uh, a pretty serious one. Oh, that's unfortunate. And obviously, um, Colohandino is still out as well. He actually just got surgery, I saw on Instagram, and is recovering. I think right now his biggest sort of thing that he's trying to get to is just be ready for the Olympics, which are still scheduled for July in Japan. So um, best of luck to brother in those endeavors. Yeah, all the best. Um, I know he would have been heartbroken to have to go home, but I guess he's got that new focus in the Olympics and and um, hopefully the recovery is going as quick as possible. It was awkward to see him in a cast doing training that looked, um, yeah, the injury looked like the real deal. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that severe. Um, I guess I didn't even really know exactly what it was. I, I heard it was his ankle, but, I, you know, if he's getting surgery, yeah, that, it's pretty intense. Um, but it does bring to light kind of interesting concept which is if he is not ready to surf by japan do you know what that means wow uh-huh so do you reckon that's why kelly didn't come to australia to rest his foot <laughs> i think uh trying to pin down the reasons why kelly does anything would be a futile endeavor but I did see a photo of Kelly Slater surfing back door the other day as Hawaii is getting a couple of beautiful late season swells at this moment. So um, we know that he's at least well enough to stand in a barrel, which, um, as we've mentioned before, is, is actually probably one of the less strenuous things you could do in surfing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's a few balls in the air at the moment, and it will be interesting to see how they fall. Oh my goodness. Does that mean Kelly has to go to Costa Rica or El Salvador? El Salvador, sorry. El Salvador um, for the ISA Games? That is a really interesting question, actually, because presumably Kolohe will not be well enough to surf in an event in the end of May, which is when that event takes place, which could very well mean that Slater is obligated i don't know if obligated would be the term but it might be in his best interest to go because that would allow him to qualify to be kolohe's replacement in the olympics um so wow yeah that's really interesting kelly might want to surf in a month in el salvador or i guess he could just blame his injury again and and not show up to that one and get off kind of scot-free so and then the yeah. wild card goes to i'm not sure connor coffin maybe Seth Moniz. <laughs> Seth Moniz. Wow, Seth Moniz in the Olympics. Whoa, huge. That'd be a full Hawaiian roster. Wow. On the men's side, at least. But three or four. That would be so special. And that would be so validating for Hawaii as for them having their own stamp in the WSL. Yeah. I mean, obviously, John's a lock. He's in um, and a proud Hawaiian, but obviously Seth and, and his family as well, if that happened. Are we breaking news here? Is that going to happen? Wow. Well, uh, man, I don't know about you, but I'm really excited to see what happens in these next few days and months. Um, so obviously, like we said, huge swell coming in for the first few days of the Margaret River event. Stace says we're not going to the box. I say we're going to the box. And uh, he picked, uh, who did you, you went Michelle, Tyler. I went Courtney, Jack, presuming that John wins. So we're basically in a race for second place. Um, just to clarify, I just, I just think we're not going to the box on day one. That's all I reckon. I reckon we'll be okay. at the box after that. Well, I hope, um, I hope we see you there. Are, are you going to be... Where are you going to be? Are you going to be on the, oh, on the stairs? I'm going to go hire a jet ski if, if it's at the box. I don't want to sit on the stairs. <laughs> yeah, no, you have to be out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not going to take um, Laura or Dimity's job. They're doing fantastic out there on the jet ski, but I, uh, I definitely um, want to be close to the action, that's for sure. Yeah, you'd have to be. Um, anything we missed? I don't think so. I think... Um, Fuck, there's a pretty... lot for a pre-event show. I know. <laughs> one in, one out, eh? Yeah. These, these, these potties are cranking. So, oh, one last thing. On the other side of Australia, this weekend, we are actually doing a big event. So there's the, the Gold Coast Open, I believe it's called, at Burley Point, which is 
mostly kind of just a traditional professional surfing event. There's women's, men's, longboard, yada, yada, yada. But for three hours, Stab has been given full access to the point, and and we're going to do a live exhibition of our electric acid surfboard test. So basically riding weird, obscure, old school, whatever you want to call them, surfboards at what looks like it's going to be pumping Burley Point. Um, so that's our little... It's going to be, it's gonna, it's gonna be fun. It'll be fun. I'm a Debbie Downer. It'll be fun. There'll be waves. <laughs> Are you bummed you're not there? You might have got the call up. I'm so bummed I'm not there, although I think I was going to get the call up, so I'm stoked I'm not there because I don't do live exhibition surfing. I do pre-recorded <laughs> surfing that I can edit heavily. <laughs> <laughs> Very well, um, but um, the cast is the cast is amazing, and like Cruzy probably going to end up riding one of his brother's boards, and and Mitch actually has like he put out a clip with Alex on one of Alex's twenties back in the day, and was tearing on it out there. So hopefully, um, you know that all comes to plan, and the the boards are looking amazing. Um, yeah, there's uh, there's a couple of classics in there. All right, so uh, I think that's it, and Stace. I'll see you in the channel, hopefully. If not, dry as a freaking cucumber on the stairs. <laughs> I will. I'll, yeah, as, I'll be as dry as a cucumber. That sounds perfect. <laughs>